We are back. It is Sunday, April 12th, 2020. And we lead the show with a very special topic, courtesy of AJ Spiegelman. AJ, take it away. So in these dark days of no content, Bleacher Report put out some put out some interesting content, which was the best duos in every decade of the NBA since the 80s. So we got 80s, 90s, aughts, and 10s. Okay. I love calling the, the aughts the aughts. I almost commented on it, and I didn't, so I'm super glad that Danny did, because I think that was a great move that you made. It was a spur-of-the-moment decision, and it turned out great. Had tip to you on the aughts. Okay, so 80s, it put Magic and Kareem, which they played throughout all of the 80s and won five of the chips. Yeah, that's okay. fine. No feeling on that. 90s was MJ and Pippen, who... Stockton and Malone. Who played. Great, great this point. Is, okay, so I'm seeing now a huge mess up from this because it's saying they played 10 seasons together. Maybe in total, but definitely not in the 90s because no. yeah, they famously only played... Six seasons in the 90s. Jack and Kobe in the aughts. I like they it. Have, they have their three Pete in there. And then LeBron and Dwayne as the 2010s. And as the heat consumer of all things heat-related, I knew that going into the, the thread of this, it would just only be hate for the choice of Dwayne Wade and LeBron. So before I make the case... For Dwayne and LeBron, I'll throw it to whoever wants to give me the I'd like to jump in first and say that this is really like peak Bleacher Report is just cranking out a list like this. Oh, I think yeah. Bleacher Report was weirdly better equipped than any other like sports website for these times. Because oh, they yeah. have like no standards whatsoever. They don't need to be related to anything. They aren't really trying to connect with anybody. It's just like slideshows and lists and maybe you'll click on one of them. And every once in a while, I will. I will because I'll be like... Who are some of the best, like, strikers in the Premier League? And it'll, I'll find a, a Bleacher Report list, and it's like, okay, this is some of the best strikers in the Premier League. And I think that it's perfectly suited for quarantine when all you're doing is lists and rankings. So that's my first take. Okay. People love lists and rankings. I agree with that. Also, my take here, the obvious answer that no one's going to say is mellow. And Amare, but okay. you know, moving past and we're that. gonna mute Danny for the rest. I was of about this. to say, can I mute Danny? We're using Google Hangouts. I don't think you can mute people other than yourself. So AJ obviously endorses this this Wade and LeBron pick, and I'm gonna go ahead and put my my hat in the Stephen Clay ring. I think they, first of all, just an unbelievably likable duo. I, I don't think you can say the same about the the Heat pair, but most of all, Steph and Clay, they change the game. They just it's such a cool version of basketball where like you don't even have to be that good at basketball. You just need to fire up shots and, and get them in the basket. And that's what I love about Steph and Clay. Anywhere on the court within half court, they're a threat to shoot. And that's what I want out of basketball. I would argue that the Get down there and shoot is more of the Rockets than the Warriors. When I think of the Warriors, I think of really crisp ball movement and yeah, I mean that's great too. Fooling people, I, I like. But all right, Danny will make the case for me. That's fine. 
the other thing though is that when I'm picking the two most important warriors or the two like pillars of the Warriors franchise, <laughs> I'm picking Steph and Draymond. I, like, as you were saying it, I was like, Danny's gonna do a Draymond zag, <laughs> and he did it, which was great. Absolutely. I mean, it's clearly the wrong answer. They weren't okay. known as the Splash the Brothers answer. at any point. Clay never kicked anyone in the balls to cost them a series in the finals. Um, you take Clay off that team and they still win. You take Draymond off that team and they I, don't win. I, I don't totally, believe that. First of, all, first of all, okay, so many things. Game six against the Thunder. I was Clay about to bring that up. The series. <laughs> the, if Clay, okay. I'm the the whole way that that offense works is that when Draymond sets a pick with Clay, with Clay or Steph, Steph or Clay get double teamed because of the fact that they are such dangerous. Stretch right, but you just said so it. So the Draymond whole reason the offense a, works. So, so the whole point that. is that then Draymond gets the ball in space with four on three. So he yeah, has so a man advantage, and he is like the best, essentially the best power play quarterback in the history of the NBA. And the whole reason that the and, the and offense of the Warriors works is because Draymond makes the right read every single time with the ball in his hands. So I'm just going to note Danny down as saying one of the players in the best duo of the decade is a single double, it's a triple single kind of guy. <laughs> Absolutely. I, okay. And you also so, said, as you were explaining that, you said, well, the reason it works is because Steph and Clay are the two greatest shooters, are among the greatest shooters of all time. And that means that Draymond gets the space he needs to make plays. Ergo, but no Steph one, and Clay are the irreplaceable parts. Okay, no, so, because yeah. if you take away Draymond, no one else can make plays in that space. Then no I, one else yeah. uses that space the right way. I think that unlocking Draymond, I mean, I'm a huge fan of all three of the guys we're talking about. I think that Draymond's great when he has his guys. Can't do it without the guys. I agree with that, too. I think Clay is an unbelievable talent. And I think Steph has literally changed the game of basketball. But I think when you're talking about the meaningless title of best duo of the 2010s, you're looking – I mean, the the thing that makes Wade and LeBron the best is when you talk about one of those Warriors squads, you can't really choose between Steph and KD or Steph and Clay Because Steph and Clay has more titles, but Steph and KD – Steph and Clay it, means more to Oakland. But no, the real answer is Steph and Warriors. Kerr, Steve Kerr. Like those 2018, 2017 Warriors were two of the best teams ever, period. Right, and one of the huge reasons but, that was possible is that Clay is the greatest role player of all time, by which I mean he's better than Draymond a role player in that 2017 year won the defensive player of the year. Okay, I'm just no going to – No one cares about that. Now I'm going to give my case for Dwayne and LeBron. No because, one cares about that. <laughs> because it's true, we're probably gonna interrupt this a lot as we already have. <laughs> okay. So 2008, 2010, Dwayne Wade is. I con- thought this was about the tens, not the odds. It is an important point that Danny's just. Made. No, this is no. Start, history starts in the odds, man. <laughs> yeah. This feels like a filibuster. Basically, from 05 to 2010, the the vibe around the league was the three best players are LeBron, Kobe, Wade. And then it's a drop-off. And Kevin Durant, towards the end, was coming into that – was number two by, you know, 2011. But during 2010, when they came together, that's two of the best three guys in the league coming together, which we haven't seen since the closest thing is LeBron and AD. 
So we're just talking about two guys. They definitely, I, I mean, I hate to say they underperform because you win two titles and you can't complain as a fan base about winning two titles. But, like, they were the team in the East, and it had to be LeBron and someone else because LeBron takes you to the finals every single year. So it has to be LeBron and someone else. So you pick a second best teammate during that time. Who was Wade? Who was? I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna throw. Are this you talking out about there? Kyrie Irving, his second best teammate of all time? <laughs> Kyrie Irving, notably terrible teammate, actually. I thought you were talking about J.R. Smith. <laughs> I love J.R. Smith. I think that guy can shoot the lights out. Sort of like Clay, right. who actually played the whole decade with his duo mate. Pretty much. Let me just but, put this out there. Definitely, but the Warriors, you, I mean, a, I guess a shot against them is that the first, what was it, three years of Steph and Clay, they were a mediocre team, and then they both took the leap the same year and became an amazing team. So they have the history of being men. Here's my alternate submission for the aughts duo of the decade. The fact that this is already like your fifth submission is indicative of the fact that you don't have a good submission. This is the aughts, though. This is the aughts. Oh, this is, never mind. Okay, I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) The aughts, I'm going with Tim Duncan and anyone else from the sport. Well, you would have to choose Tony Parker because he won the finals MVP in 07. Okay, I'll take Parker. But but I'm going to had the three P. But uh, Tim Duncan also had three championships in the twenty in the, in the aughts. And he, he had two in the nineties, two no, in the aughts, and one had, in, in the no. ten. He had ninety nine ninety nine oh oh and then he had uh, Okay. He had five total, one in the nineties, one in the tens, and three in the middle. I can confirm that. That's true. But the first one was a David Robinson title. I like that angle. The 99 one, fine. The that doesn't count, though. 2000. Okay, I, that was the 99 season, but fine. If you're counting that, that's four titles in the aughts. So now he's got Kobe beat. What do you... 99-2000. Does that count for the aughts, yes or no? I'm going to make the, the case deal? against not, Tim Duncan. Yeah, what's the case against Tim Duncan over, like... Why not? That he's a ridiculously boring person who no one would ever be interested in watching play basketball. I just think when you're talking about take two guys, Shaq and Kobe in the early 2000s or Tim Duncan and Tony Parker at any points in their career, it's clearly Shaq and Kobe. Shaq is the most unstoppable force with the possible exception of like later career LeBron of the 21st century. And Kobe – is a did top Shaq five, make, top ten all time player. Did Shaq make an All Star game every single year of the aughts? No. That's just a fallacious argument because no one is investing in Shaq for him to put in the hours every year. Shaq is a game on the line. Feed him, and you just will not stop this man. He's not a Shaq, grinder. That's he Kobe. Was from like 2000, 2002. But if you're looking at the decade as a whole in terms of continued excellence and dominance, it's got to be Tim Duncan. Shaq's flame burned brighter. <laughs> but but in terms of dominance over the entire decade, you're talking about a difference in zero titles between the two of them. Except Shaq had four in the decade. And Ooh, yeah, because he had the Dwayne Wade one. I'm not really sure that Shaq did much on that one. I mean, you don't have to tell me that Shaq 
was a little disappointing that 06 playoff. <laughs> Mainly the 05 playoffs. Non-existent, I, I think, is the word you're looking for. No, non-existent is the wrong word. The issue is Shaq had to play against Ben Wallace, who was such a fucking beast. Like, I you, love you know, those Pistons teams. I hated those Pistons teams, but like, you've got to respect 6'9", Ben Wallace, guarding Shaq and doing it well. So the best carried. hair in NBA history from Ben Wallace. Yeah, and both Afro Afro and the Rashid Wallace. I hate Rashid Wallace. Don't even fuck, fuck Rashid Wallace. But Ben Wallace, both the Afro and the Dreads, right? Or the Corvos, the fact that he was the combo. Yeah, yeah, it looked great. I think he competed with Udonis Haslam for best cornrows in the league at the time. Udonis Haslam had great cornrows going on in the aughts. Was he actually playing in the aughts? Yeah, no, like he was starting for that title. <laughs> I think I was actually aware of that from NBA Live 06. <laughs> he was dope. I mean, that mid-range game is like something I've modeled my game after. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's what we needed out of that segment, and that was AJ Reed's a Bleacher Report article. Um, <laughs> so without further ado, we know why the listeners have come back this week, and it's for the continuation of what many people were calling the single most electric segment in America last week, which was our draft of for a pickup sports decathlon. And we picked that up tonight to we've drafted our teams and now it's time to assign them to the various sports we're going to be playing. Danny, will you read the sports that we're going to be playing one more time? Cause I don't have the yeah. full list in front of me. We got five aside soccer. Mm-hmm. Five-person wiffle ball, mm-hmm. three-on-three basketball, four-person relay race, tug-of-war, ping-pong, spike ball, seven-person flag football, four-person swimming relay, and dodgeball. Dodgeball's a good good closer. All right, um, and why don't we have each of us read out our rosters? So, AJ, do you have yours in front of you? Yeah, I do. All right, read yours off. Okay, this is in the order that I drafted them. One, Roger Federer. <laughs> Number one overall, by the way. And then I had Aaron Donald, Jimmy Butler, Jorge Masvidal, Mike Trout, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Russell Westbrook, DK Metcalf, and Patrick Mahomes with the last pick in the draft. Absolute steal. All right. My team is, and I don't think this is the order that I drafted them other than my number one overall pick, Alex Ovechkin, Giannis, Julio Jones, Javier Baez, Russell Wilson, Keelan Mbappe, Tyron Matthews, Saquon Barkley, and the Sedin twins, Henrik and Daniel. This is my team, best team. Lionel Messi, Kyler Murray, Michael Phelps, LeBron, Melo, Usain Bolt, Mookie, Christian Pulisic, J.J. Watt, and Zion Williamson. All right, um, so Danny, why don't we go just down the line in the sports, and we'll, or do we want to start off with snubs? Yeah, I want to start with snubs. I have a team of snubs that okay. I think would, would, that was submitted by our dear listeners. <laughs> okay, read the team of snubs. OBJ, really Ronaldo, good. Pick. Djokovic, Aaron Judge, Anthony Davis, Deshaun Watson, Sidney Crosby, <laughs> Kevin Durant. Neymar, and John Morant. He's got the all-injured team. Aaron Judge, <laughs> yeah. there hasn't even I been a season, see. and Aaron Judge is already, he's got a broken wrist. Maybe he's going to take three, swings in a month. 
In the pre-show, Danny said that he had a team of snubs that would have won, and I'm really disappointed in that team. The That's, fact that like Aaron Judge and Sidney Crosby is crazy. I don't think Crosby's close to the worst pick on that list. But like, imagine a conversation between Sidney Crosby, who's probably the most Canadian person of all time, and Neymar. Like, what's going to happen there that's going to breed good things in any of these events? That's a, and With OBJ and Kevin Durant, there's no leaders there. OBJ no was leaders. a really good pick. I'll give him OBJ. I think OBJ could he should probably compete. Be on one of the yep, he should absolutely be on a team. That was a huge miss. I think <laughs> yeah. the other biggest miss I was thinking of was Steph Curry. I think he would be very good in a lot of these events as well. But I don't know if Steph Curry – is like baseline, like you trust him to just do something because he's so athletic. But he's extremely coordinated. Yes, but yeah. he's super great at shooting a basketball. I think Steph brings something to the table in soccer, brings something to the table in the relay race. Definitely brings something. No, not with his ankles, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't he brings something fast. to the table. I don't think he's faster than four guys on your team. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. So maybe Steph's not that good a pick. All right, I'm glad I didn't pick Steph. I kind of was regretting that. I think Kyrie is also in that conversation from a pure coordination standpoint. But you've got to have strong leadership on the team already. Yeah, think about him in the locker. But I have Alex Ovechkin on my team, the greatest leader in the history of leadership. So I, I feel like I could bring anyone in. Another one that I think is maybe underrated is Barry Sanders right now. Because he's got a little extra mileage in his legs since he retired young. Uh. <laughs> All right, so why don't we go event by event here. Danny, read them off, and we'll break down who we're sending. So we've agreed, correct me if I'm wrong, we've said there are no limits on, like, everyone has to play X number of events, nor no one can play more than X number of events. Everyone's got to play one event. Okay, but everyone plays in the tug of war at least, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah, dodgeball, yeah. so everyone's gonna have to play in one event. Good point. I think everyone's gonna have to play one event beyond those two. No. Okay, I don't think that's gonna be a factor. It's yeah, not gonna matter if that's like tug of war, dodgeball, ringers that we've been holding on. To. No, it would only matter if we were gonna set an upper cap. But if we don't want to do that, then let's just go ahead. Danny, read off the first event. All right, five-a-side soccer. So you've said this is without a goalie, right? Because when I was yeah. researching, it implied that five-a-side was with a goalie. So what are we using for goals here? Let's say four outfielders and a goalie. Okay, so there is a goal. Yeah, we'll say that. All right. Should I read my lineup? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the obvious pick is Mbappe. I No explanation needed. Alex Ovechkin, need I remind the listeners, his mother was an Olympic <laughs> soccer player, a gold medalist. Wait, no, his father was an Olympic soccer player. Strike that last part from the record. Well, we'll, cut, we'll cut that out in post. Yeah, we'll edit that out in post. Nonetheless, he's got it in the DNA. I think AJ, I can already tell, is of the opinion that hockey players are only athletic on ice. Which I, think I was is, say, <laughs> are we playing game on ice? Which I think you're just totally missing how important it is, how much athleticism goes into hockey that's not just related to the ice part. And I realize that as someone from Florida, the ice part is such a high barrier to entry that especially a Floridian mind could not possibly 
wrapped itself around that something like that. I don't like that implication, and I certainly haven't found my ice legs. But at the same time, you can't tell me that Ovechkin will be 70% of the runner that he is a skater. I mean, it's five-a-side soccer. He's not going to be, like, sprinting, but he's going to be a dominant force in the midfield for me. He's going to be— I uh, formally announced that Alex Ovechkin won't be sprinting in this game of competitive soccer that we're playing. No. The great—I mean, Messi's not going to be sprinting in, in this game the whole time. The greats don't sprint. They lurk. They find their moment, and then they Remember, bounce. Sprint. <laughs> Alex Ovechkin is more or less the shark from Jaws, except he okay. never blows up. You can tell me about how your hockey player, who's like not even that great of a skater, is going to be so fast okay. on the pit. For you to say he's not even that great of a skater, he came into the league, he was one of the fastest players in the league. That's that not true anymore. That I'll give you that. He's 34. He is such a masterful, powerful skater that like, you couldn't even understand it. My next two picks, the Sedin twins. I, for the record, hang on, for the record. All right. I was looking at Sam's team before this. I was like, I wonder what the five-a-side was going to be. And I have written down Mbappe, Ovi, Sadim 1, Sadim 2. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, just again with my Sadim twins case, the coordination level is off the charts, and the chemistry is better than any duo in the history of duos. Identical twins, MVPs. Identical twin MVPs. I understand that this is like a joke segment now, and I should have been more team. I get it. And then, lastly, in net, I'm going to have Giannis. I don't think that needs to be explained yeah. either. I thought he said no goalie. Danny said goalie. Yeah, goalie. Is the fifth a goalie? or is Yeah. The fifth is a goalie. Okay, let me do some quick recalculations. Well, AJ recalculates. Danny, give us your team. All right. I got, in the outfield, I got Lionel Messi. The greatest to ever play the game of the beautiful game. And so Jogo Bonito. Can I, I stop I, you on Messi? Yeah, go so ahead. So I was I had a take that I was kind of trying to cook up that <laughs> Messi would be the best player to play with in any of these events. Like if I were picking a team of people I wanted on my team for backyard sports, Messi Messi's was the number obvious one. number one pick. But I was going to try to make the case that, like, this is all about winning, ultimately, and I'm not sure that Messi is, like, the ultimate winner. And then, as I'm <laughs> cooking up this take, I'm watching the highlights of the 2017 Barca-Real Madrid game, where in stoppage time, Messi, it was exactly what I was talking about with the lurking thing, just comes out of nowhere and scores a ridiculous goal, takes his jersey off and holds it up to the away crowd. It was an incredible moment, and I was like, wow. That take I was cooking up was ridiculous. Messi's an outstanding pick for this. And I'm yeah. very interested uh, to see <laughs> how you'll use him throughout this. Because I think there's still a lot of limitations in a number of these events. But he's – the talent's all there. <laughs> yeah, the talent is there. Thank you, Sam. Uh, next to Messi, the thing about Messi, though, is that Messi needs a running mate. And especially in the five-a-side – you know, you need someone that's got some soccer creative juice to play with. So enter Christian Pulisic, currently tearing it up at Chelsea as the number one winger there, Champions League starter, game in, game out. He's got the red, white, blue on his back. And look, those two are going to tear up the whole field. Like, it doesn't really matter who else is there. So Can I say this put- about Christian Pulisic, known to not perform well against multinational teams in front of small crowds? I'm thinking of Trinidad and Tobago here. 
<laughs> yeah, they had to play two nations at once, man. It was a tough look. Uh, then I got Usain Bolt, who is not only fast as hell, but has played in the Australian Soccer League. So clearly has some level of soccer skills can be higher than most people on that field. And then my fourth as a shutdown defender, I got LeBron patrolling the back. And in goal, I got uh, Zion Williamson. I think I would have put LeBron in goal, and I don't think I would have had Zion on this team. Yeah, I think I wanted LeBron patrolling the back, cleaning things up. You mean like the goalie? Like, why no, are you having multiple defender. defenders if it's five aside? Like, you go yeah, all in. You want, you want a goalie, a defender, no. and then three attackers. No. You want a goalie and then four interchangeable playmakers. Okay, so my team is the lone one without a professional soccer player, but I don't think that holds them back. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. Because we we've got some real competitors on our team. First, I'd like to comment on Sam's team. And this is something that I think you misused is that goal. I would have put, I would have put Javi. Yeah, someone with quick hands. Shit, I think that actually would have been. But I'm thinking, I mean, Giannis is just going to occupy the whole net. Yeah, yeah occupies a no, lot but, of net. But in terms of goalies, I want someone who can leap from the middle of the goal to the end of it in a second. Okay. And you want to be able to get to the ground. How is Giannis going to get down to the ground with a seven-foot frame? Right. Oh, this is so <laughs> I've clearly screwed up from the start. You've made some really good points. So this is kind of a big thing for me is that I wish I chose like Nolan Arenado instead of Mike Trout. Because as great as Mike Trout is, I think that an infielder would be more useful in some of these events. Than I think outfielder. that's definitely true. Um, but at the same time, I think Mike Trout, if he got like two minutes of practice, could be a great infielder. So – We'll just keep that where it is. So for my team, I've got Jimmy Butler, known soccer fan, and has been seen dribbling a basketball soccer-wise. <laughs> and I trust in him because he, currently, with the exception of LeBron, he's the most athletic on the field. On the pitch, excuse me. Then I got Christian McCaffrey, who was a four-sport athlete in high school, I learned today. One of those sports actually was not soccer but <laughs> but his mom played collegiate soccer at stanford okay which is the which is I not as good as the russian national team the soviet national that, team in fact i think that's the equivalent of the soviet national team i don't because know because america is far better at everything then third is roger federer i've seen many videos of him dribbling a tennis ball so imagine what he could do with a soccer ball that's skill right there I don't really think the foot speed's there, but I'll, I'll, I'll consider Are you talking it. about one of the best tennis players of all time doesn't have the foot speed? At this age? No. One of the, he's top three in the world, okay? He's a fucking pro. That's because there's no one who's good at tennis that's like under And that's 40. not about flat-out pace. That's about like reaction time. That's really not like stamina, pace, like really about days. Watch, watch anything he does, and you're going to be like, that footwork is the best in the world. Okay, and then last in goal, no, actually last on the pitch, I'm going to put Jorge Masvidal. I honestly don't think that any of your players can compete with him. And you know how fast he can knock a man out? Five seconds. 
So if the, even if like, the after ref, he gets an, a, re, a red card in the first yeah, five no, seconds of the game, no, he gets a red card, but at the same time he takes out Messi, best player, because he can do it in five seconds. If the ref can't separate Jorge Masvidal from Messi in the first five seconds, it's okay. My so he knocks out Messi in the first five seconds. He that knocks means out Mbappe too. No, because he's, he's already been Mbappe suspended because of his red card for knocking no, out Messi. So now, now the door's wide open for me. I'm sliding through to the finals. My team's the only complete team out there on the pitch. No, I'm saying when I play your team, I no, take I'm saying play. that you've no, already lost. I'm saying I got this one in the bag, guys. It's pretty obvious. All right, who's your last player, AJ? If I didn't give this away in goal, I'm putting Mike Trout because just you've seen him <laughs> dive in the outfield. He can get from post to post with great. I don't buy that at all. There's just no way that he has more explosiveness than Giannis does. He can dive saying, in the outfield when he's chasing far. down a fly ball. But I'm not saying he can get as far as Giannis, but I'm saying combined with his explosiveness – and his reaction time, he can get there faster than Giannis. I just his explosiveness does not compare to Giannis's. He's the ultimate five-tool player. What do you mean his explosiveness <laughs> yeah. doesn't compare? And explosiveness is notably not one of the five tools. <laughs> I'm gonna look up Mike Trout measurables right now. You're not even. They don't even run like forties or three cone drills or any of that in baseball. <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking like his vertical leap's got to be impressive. I doubt that that's on record. I was impressed with Manny Ramirez catching a fly ball, high popping a fan, and then completing the double play at first base. I think that Mike. I think a baseball player is who should be in goal, and I think it's Mike Trout. I think that's a terrible pick. All right, let's if, move on I, to the next sport. If I could replace him with Nolan Arenado, I would, but I like Mike Trout. All right, next sport, Danny. Uh, is wiffle ball. And this is also five on five. Yes. All right, AJ, why don't you do your team first this time? Okay, I'll start with my team, the best baseball player in the world, Mike Trout. <laughs> then we have Roger Federer, who's going to put the ball in the field every single time, and he'll figure it out. Patrick Mahomes, great high school baseball player. His father, if we're talking <laughs> genetics, played 12 years in the big leagues. Then you got Christian McCaffrey. One of his four sports in high school was baseball, and so fast. And then for my fifth pick, I struggled a little to figure out who it was. But then I chose DK Metcalf because if he gets the ball in play, he's getting on base. So those were my five. All right. I'm honestly the not. Thing about the, but the thing about that with ball, though, is you're probably going to slap a grounder. and It's real hard to get on base with a bunch of slapped grounders. Yeah, I, okay, now that you've set me up, let me just read DK Metcalf's combine stats right now. You're welcome. <laughs> because I think you know that that's where I wanted to go here. His 40-yard dash time is 4.33 seconds. I don't think you guys realize how fast that is. That's faster than you'll ever think of running in your life. 27 reps of 225. His vertical was four, over 40 inches, 40.5 inches. Broad jump of... 134 inches over 10 feet over 11 feet how am i gonna have to explain to you in every one of these sports that like measurables don't correlate well to baseball because i'm talking about we went over it with mike trout and now we have to go over it with dk none of this is translating running to first base he gets the ball in play and he's at first base every single time if the ball's in play 
I mean, he's he's got like not even top end speed on this field out of these athletes. He's lacks top end speed. Uh, okay, name one player on name one of your competitors that could run a four three forty. What you said his forty was four four two. So there you go. Four three three. Okay, Did four three three is faster than I was thinking it was. But <laughs> I four mean, three three is insane. Four three three is like the fastest receivers in the league. Mbappe is absolutely running that. <laughs> Julio Jones ran a four three nine. He's probably faster now. <laughs> That's like ten yards slower than DK because everyone knows the last part is just like whatever. <laughs> right. like, it's like a hundredth of a second the last ten yards. All right, Danny. Your line uh, football team? Yeah. I mean, it's anchored by Kyler Murray and Mookie Betts. The, I forgot you drafted Mookie. Yeah. I mean, they're going to catch all the fly balls in the outfield, so that takes away all your home runs. We play and, small. Uh, <laughs> then from there, I got, you know, I need some muscle to uh, hit the ball long, so I'm going with LeBron and J.J. Watt. <laughs> and... Uh, to round up my team, I'm going with Melo because a key element of wiffle ball is trash talk, and Melo is going to be the best trash talker out there. I feel like three of your five guys will hit routine fly balls every time they're at bat. Does Melo have a reputation as a good trash talker? Yeah. I don't even know. Like, I feel like if you're picking Melo for his trash talking, you should have just picked Reggie Miller, you know? Yeah. Reggie Miller can barely walk, and he's definitely <laughs> incarnate. I'm struggling to find the difference with him and Matt. <laughs> you walked right into that, Danny. All right. You on my lineup? I'd love to hear your lineup. All right. Leading off, I'm thinking he's going to start playing just like standing on second base. He's my utility infielder. He's El Mago Javi Baez. That's great. Put him like right in, yeah, right on the base. Right. From- and he's like, he's making every single play. I think I he's got that. gloves on both hands so he can catch better. <laughs> he doesn't need a glove. His hands are too magical. I got Russ. I'm thinking he's probably going to end up playing like in the vicinity of third, but he's, but like a deep third. So he's kind of playing short left. I feel that. That's, I mean, great arm. Dead, the dead pull ground hands. balls, though. The dead pulled ground balls are few and far between that actually make it out of the infield. I'm not worried about that. He could play. I can move him around. He's a flexible piece. Next up, this is honestly, this is no longer my batting order, but this was my biggest kind of wild card pick, is I'm going to turn Mbappe into a modern-day Ichiro. He's going to be making every single catch in the outfield with his range, and he's just got to make enough contact to run but who balls knows that he can use no clue if he could catch a ball and he's never hit something in his life before. So that's the thing I'm a little worried about is picking a European person in baseball because I think baseball and football, it's really hard if you're like – if you can really look like you just have never picked up a ball in your life in both of those sports. And I'm just banking on that not being the case for Mbappe. You say he's never played, a baseball, played baseball before. He threw out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium. I watched the scouting report. It was decent. It was decent. That doesn't mean he can catch, which is a bigger issue here. He's going to be able to catch. If you're an There's athletic no person, you can you have decent hands on a freaking wiffle ball. Um, next up, obviously, we've got Ovi. I mean, he's going to be showing up a lot here. The pedigree, 
the hand-eye coordination, the reliable hands, which he absolutely has. I'm thinking he's maybe my first baseman. What would you say – how long is his over-under for running the first base? I'm putting it like seven seconds. Okay. You say Roger Federer has better foot speed than Alex Ovechkin, and I slap you silly. dry land. He that, literally runs on dry land. It requires greater foot and, speed and, and, and lateral and, quickness and, to skate, and, AJ. And, that's why you can't do and, it. And, and, and his best surface is grass. That was and the best point you've sweat. made so far. That was the the grass thing was the first time I've thought this whole episode. Like, man, AJ's kind of talking some sense here when you brought up the grass thing. So that was actually and an extremely compelling point. Lie down pat. <laughs> um, I'm on the fence about my last pick here, but I think I'm going to go with Julio Jones. Just as athletic as they come, um, a playmaker in every sense of the word. And I think he's going to be a defensive dynamo. And with just that strength and size, he's going to be able to get his arms extended and rip home runs. Probably to the opposite field is my sense. Julio Apo Taco Jones, a lot of people are calling him. So that's my wiffle ball team. It's amazing how I think my teams are the best in both sports. <laughs> we'll, let the, we'll let the listeners at home decide. We'll put it on our Twitter poll. Yeah, we'll, we'll poll this later. All right. Danny, next sport. The next three, sport, three-on-three three basketball. Okay. I'm thinking we should maybe have a sub for three-on-three three basketball. No. no? Yes. Yes. No. You play the 15, three-on-three, three, 21, whatever, and that's the game. All right. I think it's got to be to 21. And there's no, no subs. Are you kidding All me? Right. No, as you said it like that, subs didn't make any sense. I like just three-on-three. Three. So Giannis is obviously on my team. Ovi is obviously on my team. Mother was a gold medalist. I mean, I've actually seen footage of Ovi playing basketball as well as soccer. He's very good at basketball. He has a very nice jump shot. So that means, reading between the lines, he's not that good at soccer. No. Soccer, I've only seen him, like, kind of taking touches, and he's excellent at that. I know he's going to be making plays on the basketball court. My last pick is Julio Jones. This was a spur-of-the-moment thing, but I was on Twitter earlier this week. Player. And I was watching, um, what's his name, Boogie Cousins talk about the best dunk he'd ever seen in his life. And it was in high school, Julio Jones dunking all over the, his teammates. The dunk was so ridiculous that the guy who got dunked on had to get it deleted from the internet. Otherwise, he just couldn't continue being a person. So you could only <laughs> find the audio. I only could listen to the audio, and I knew just from the audio that I needed Julio on my team. <laughs> So that's my basketball team. I feel really good about my basketball team. All right. I feel even better about my basketball team because I've got LeBron fucking James and Zion Williamson who will dominate the play flow of the game. You're probably thinking, oh, you know, can't shoot. Just got to pack it in and let him chuck it from the cheap seats. Well, I got the Olympic mellow in tow to sit and can open threes and sip wine. So, Bam. So I think LeBron is a good choice because there's no free throws in pickup. So he's not going to miss big free throws late in the game. So that makes some sense to me. That was a good choice. (laughs) Okay, now with my team, the two obvious are Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler. Both, I mean, just all-stars, great players. And then for my third pick... I was deciding between a couple players on my team of, on the football side. 
And then I just like was looking up names on Google. So I'd go like Aaron Donald basketball and DK Metcalf basketball. And it turns out that DK Metcalf played high school basketball. I was going to so say I, DK seems like the pick. I think Aaron's more of a wrestler. So yeah. <laughs> the thought process behind Aaron Donald is like for whatever athleticism and size we think Zion has, like he's just going to be on his ass the whole game. But then I also thought the overall, you know, athleticism of DK would would fit better. And he's 6'5", so I'm choosing DK Metcalf. So he's still giving up four inches to Zion. <laughs> Zion is like 6'6", six, six in shoes. That's and like once Zion's ball. shoes explode, is he even going to continue playing? <laughs> That's a great question. Injury, injury prone. And this is a bonus sport that I'm going to make us play right now. But one-on-one <laughs> -on -one pool basketball... Who on your team do you choose? I'm JJ choosing Watt. Ovi, obviously. Who? Ovi. Ovi? I pick Aaron Donald, and I don't think it's close that I win. I think that is possible, but I think Ovi absolutely is yammy. I think Ovi is, is going to be a force to be reckoned with with his power. The strength in his legs and back is unparalleled in a human being. They've you never could made a person like that. that. You could convince me that Ovi's better in water than he is on land because ice is just a form of water. <laughs> I mean, if you're trying to say Ovi's going to be great in the water, I think that's absolutely true and a little bit of a, a cut ahead to our swimming relay. I just think that Ovechkin, I think that Ovechkin, the only way he beats Aaron Donald in the pool is like dirty play. No. How tall like is Aaron Donald? Ovechkin's got a pretty significant height advantage. Yeah, but think about center of gravity. You're in a pool. You don't care about height. Think about yeah, height absolutely makes a difference. Yeah. You guys aren't OB getting anywhere near the hoop. You're not getting anywhere near the hoop. J.J. Watt is 6'5". So he's got... J.J. Watt is an old man. J.J. Watt has no chance in this. J.J. Watt is just a loser pick. The fact that he's on your roster is embarrassing. J.J. Watt's not going to be good at any of this. And he's going to be super he's annoying. He's a better defensive tackle than J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt is going to, like, call your team right before this all starts. And he's going to be like, we should make t-shirts, guys. And he's going to get, like, a size youth small t-shirt. And everyone's going to be like, okay, dude, like, I get that you work out all the time. But you're kind of making everyone uncomfortable. The t-shirt design's probably not going to be great. He's not going to be good at any aspect of this whole competition and was a waste of a pick. Cool basketball, and you gotta give my team a little bit of beef so it doesn't get pushed around by you got by freaking Ovi and the Sedin twins. <laughs> Ovi's the tough choice, also, just because he's not actually playing a sport where people tackle each other all all the time. But your ignorance is is I mean, it's been to my advantage for years now, and it continues to be in this moment. <laughs> I think the audience will know that. Oh, Alex Ovechkin facing up against Aaron Donald in a pool. It's not even All right, Danny, next sport, please. Uh, relay race. Okay, this is the running one. AJ, why don't you do your team first this time? Oh, shit, I don't know if I came up with a team. Okay, I'll do it first. I can do it on the fly. All right, go for it. So it's going to be DK Metcalf, Christian McCaffrey, it's going to be Mike Trout. Wait, how long is the relay? Four. 400 meters? It's just relay uh, length. Four by probably 100 because that's yeah. like the length of the backyard. It's going to be a their back kind of deal, I'd imagine. Yeah. 
So there's DK, a cut involved. So DK's Chris out. McCaffrey, Mike Trout, and let me look up Derrick Henry's 40 time really quick. This is great radio. <laughs> okay, he ran a 4-5. So, so what I'm posing to myself is a 4-5 faster than what Russell Westbrook can run, and I'm going to say no. So I'm going to put Russell Westbrook as my fourth. You think Russell Westbrook is – Intuitively, I would never say that he was slower than Derrick Henry, but I, he probably is. He's faster than Derrick Henry is my guess. You're saying Russell Westbrook is faster than Derrick Henry? Yeah, he's the fourth on my team. It's I'm just going to assume Trout can run faster than that. Because, <laughs> I mean, I just think like to be the best five-tool player in the sport must mean you run pretty fast. Um, Christian so McCaffrey. Are you going to put Mike Trout in the time machine to back when he was still a good defensive outfielder? Is he not a good defensive outfielder? I feel like he's yeah. not what he once was. He's still good, but he's not. He's not. I feel like everyone is saying it's Mike Trout. All right. Okay, so McCaffrey's four four eight, but so that's a little faster. So I'm gonna do final answer: Metcalf, Trout, Westbrook, McCaffrey. All right, Danny, you're four. My four are my leadoff leg to you know get things going is Kyler Murray. Yeah, four, 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 40 yard dash, second fastest in QB history behind Michael Vick, i.e., faster than Russell Wilson. There's no chance uh, he ran it faster than Lamar Jackson did. I don't know. Okay, where are you getting this number for the 40? Because the he internet. didn't do it at the combine or his pro day. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's just that's just how it be. Okay, so Lamar. That's a number. Fake, okay. Uh, he ran a four six. We're just gonna put him at a four six. I, I don't think that's a fake number two. We're not giving him a four four. That's so fast. Yeah, the dude is fast. If I no, would. if he didn't run the forty, you cannot claim. <laughs> You've totally manufactured the fact that it was the second fastest forty behind Vic because he didn't even run the forty. <laughs> this was a fully made up stat. <laughs> You didn't think I would Google it. I'm that, was, <laughs> that was Trumpian, honestly. <laughs> Colin Murray says that he okay, ran a 4 Okay, no, no, no. I'll pick D'Angelo Hall. He said he ran a 3-9. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> We're going to go with what Kyler Murray timed himself, and that's the number we've chosen? Insane. Insane. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> It's wild. There's another video where he covers 45 yards in 4.4. 4. That's so, no. I'm just saying, if you do the numbers, it's no, there. That's if you do the that's, numbers. That's it's so a tremendous speed. It's a tremendous speed. All right, it's continue with the rest player. of your fraudulent team. Anyway, <laughs> I got him. Four six to be fair. Uh, I think it's I think it's faster. I got him. I got Leo Messi because the dude is quick. I got quick, more than fast. Okay, this is a yeah, terrible team. He's running a, the entire length of the pitch. The quickness doesn't matter that much. Yeah, this is a there back. Yeah, he's quick. And this is, you're picking an old Messi at this point. That's all right. Okay, continue. I don't think I it's a terrible pick. Obama Yang is so much pacier. <laughs> Seems like he would have been a better pick to Pulisic. No, Pulisic is fast, dude. Pulisic tripped over his own ball and put out the video on TikTok when he was trying to play backyard sports. So I don't, the fact that you're relying on him feels troublesome. And I got Usain Bolt as... That's an inarguable fourth leg. 
That is definitely a better, a, a good pick. Yeah. Like, we won't probably be arguing. There's going to be no pushback on that point. All right. Uh, this is ridiculous, though. I mean, Pulisic is fast as hell. Messi has freaking 87 speed on FIFA. That, okay. We're talking about FIFA pick ranks. Pam's in for a good conversation. Yeah. So we start. Number one. This is not the order that I'm going to have them run in, but it's going to be Mbappe. It's going to be Saquon Barkley, who actually ran a 4-4 flat at the 40. You can verify that. I'm not afraid of it being Google. <laughs> then it's going to be Julio Jones, notably ran a 4-3-9 at the 40. I mean, at the combine in the 40. And last, I'm, I'm torn up about this, but I think it's got to be Javi Baez. He's got... I realize that base running and speed aren't one to aren't a one to one correlation. But if there's one thing that I've learned about re- running from friend of the program Reed Horton, it's that it's a tactical game, races, which you don't think it is, but it is. And Javi is the craftiest runner, base runner that there is. He's gonna score the winning run for me here. He's gonna slide past your guy could be ahead, and Javi will just majestically slide past. The greatest slider of all time. If there's a sliding element to this at all, which we don't know what the conditions are going to look like. If it's a rainy day, I like Javi a lot. Versus Messi, can he do it on a rainy day? We don't know. We have no documented evidence of that. So I feel really good about that. All right, Messi can't do it on a rainy Tuesday in Stoke. But he can carry his country to the World Cup final with no... All right, we appear to have lost Danny again. All right, Danny's back. Um, yeah, no, I don't actually dis- – I think Messi was a phenomenal choice. I, I'm not going to push back. Next event. Wait, can I just quickly yeah. wrap that up? Mm-hmm. Pulisic – okay, Messi has an 81 sprint speed. Pulisic has an 87 sprint speed. Wait, where and are you getting these facts from? FIFA. Which, which one? FIFA 20. Like the most recent rosters, because I can tell you for a fact that Messi is faster than that. I'm not talking about total pace. I'm talking about sprint speed. Yeah, 84 is what I'm looking at. All right, AJ, Danny, you've ruled yourself out of being able to share numbers on the program. I also think that as much as I hate to say it, I think Sam's team runs away with this one. I don't think it's close. I think we've got ridiculous speed at all four spots. I think Harvey Bias might slow him down, but I don't think anyone. Do you on think my team. Giannis would have? Been, I was thinking the stride length with Giannis could be I good. Think yeah. uh, you say Bolt. You say Bolt's overrated. There's no way he's in shape anymore. He's past his prime. That's just all right. Next to competition. Uh, we got tug of war. So this is our whole team. Yeah, who's got the strongest team? We got like six events. We got. I think I I win tug of war pretty easily. I think I I win tug of war easily. (laughs) I think I've got. I think AJ wins very convincingly. I think I've I've got got so much. Henry and Aaron Donald on my team. I've got literally two trucks on my team. All right, I I don't think it's worthwhile for us to discuss tug of war. Ping pong, Federer. Okay, let's go spike ball. Okay, spike ball. No point discussing it. It's Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Spikeball okay. is a game about two things. Hand-eye coordination and chemistry with your partner. What about foot-eye coordination? You mean foot-eye yeah. coordination that Henrik and Daniel Sedin also have in spades? I have Fem- seen a video of them playing soccer as well. I saw them at some Swedish charity thing. The chemistry obviously translates. The footwork Fem- is incredible. They're an unstoppable duo in this event. 
Right, unstoppable duo. We'll give you it because I want to go to flag football and the swimming relay. Have I just want to come to flag football. Yeah. Are we playing it on ice or are we still on grass? Again, if you just want to continue to make yourself seem silly, I wish that I could persuade you to stop because I'm worried about you embarrassing yourself. But we all know that Henrik and Daniel own this event. Let's do flag football. No, what? No one's interested in your team. This competition's over, AJ. Better and Mike Trout. Mike Trout doesn't – He's. I'm not going to say he's as oh, bad he's as J.J. Watt. Lino Messi and Mookie Betts. <laughs> Mike Trout and Messi are both going to find them sitting by themselves for long stretches of this. Messi is going to be doing it by his choice. Mike Trout is not. I'm going to leave it at that. Messi would be the perfect spike ball partner to play with. Think about the GOAT people to play with. Anything, That's, Messi is way up there. If it was and, us and one partner – I think Messi's the obvious choice, but yeah. the chemistry so, so of the Messi, scenes is unparalleled. Why is he the obvious choice? He's the obvious choice because you know that he's going to play the game the right way and set you up for a bunch of excellent finishes. So now, yeah, and he's going to be let down. Really quick Messi's, Messi is that. a Christ figure, and he ultimately dies for our sins. And by that, I mean doesn't win a World Cup. That I totally disagree. The reason why I didn't win that is because Higuain right. went out. And he set it all up. He orchestrated everything, and it didn't come through. It's all and in the chemistry. But it came through time again for Barcelona. It's all in the chemistry. It's the Sedins. All right, flag football. Um, I think AJ wins this one walking away as well. <laughs> Thank you. I don't agree with that, but I'm honestly running out of steam of debating these competitions anymore. I'll just give you, like, some of the highlights. Let's of my go to the swimming relay. That's the best one. I'm not interested in talking about the swimming relay that much. I'd rather talk what about the What if I told football. you that I saw a video of Lionel Messi swimming with dolphins? Hey, okay. you've won the swimming relay with that persuading piece of evidence. Okay, now we have dodgeball. Yeah. Which is also everybody in. Who and do you I think, think the last I, man standing is? I think I have the... Ch- Two best players. I don't. I think Russell Wilson is certainly among the best players. I'd say that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the best. I think it's going to be the three quarterbacks are going to rise to the top of this competition. I think Mahomes, yeah, Murray and and Russ. And And I think Murray, it's not his moment yet, which leaves us at Mahomes and Russ. And I think Russ is just a little bit – Craftier. I disagree though, because if you see LeBron throw those full court passes, that man's got some zip to his his throw. He's a huge target though. If well, he, the basketball is the same size as the dodgeball, so there's experience with the size of the ball. It's too. LeBron's hey, size that's the problem. Sam, yeah. which quarterback in the NFL do you think has like the best arm talent? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I think it's okay. Mahomes, but that's not what this Average competition is. Aren't allowed to answer that question because it's, it's no longer Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I would agree it's Mahomes now. I'll give you that. Have no, we ruled out Jared Goff? <laughs> Put on the Cal tape. It's impressive. The arm talent's there. What about Jake Locker? The arm talent's definitely there as well. I'm not a Jake, Blo- Jake Locker believer. I just think Mahomes – is like the ideal dodgeball player. Like someone who's going to snake eyes nine of your ten guys out of I See, I think that's Russ. I think Russ's like shiftiness and escapability is unparalleled in the NFL. And I get that Mahomes has that, but I don't think he has it on Russ's level. I'd just say – no, I'd say the one the one advantage that you have isn't shiftiness or anything like that. It's catching. That's also relevant. I mean he's – I think that's the one advantage when the rest of the 
the rest of it, like dodging. I'm also and- just now remembering that Javi Baez is on my team and is absolutely going to win this competition in a walk. The hands are insane. I don't think he has the strength. <laughs> Javi Baez doesn't have the arm strength to win this competition. You're, you're, you are high out of your mind if you think that that's the situation. I just don't think he has. All right. Should we pivot into the scheme? Yeah. All right. So we're we're gonna take a little a hard left turn here. I'll be right back. We have a second. Start talking about it. I'm just going to refill my wine glass and shish it up. (laughs) We're not editing that out. We are pivoting to the scheme. So second take as a podcast, we're doing some reviews, that sort of thing, with the the fact that there's no sports going on in mind. And so we lead with the scheme. Um, If you haven't seen it, it's on HBO. It's worth a watch. It's like a legitimate hour and a half documentary. It's not one of these, you know, you got to watch for eight episodes docudrama series type deal. Thank God. Which I think I appreciated a lot. The documentary is ostensibly about recruiting in college basketball. The scheme is paying for players, obviously. The centerpiece of the whole documentary is is Christian Dawkins, who I... Did you heard his name before you watched the no. documentary? Yeah. I think that we'll get to that in a sec, is like how much we knew about recruiting before versus what we learned in the documentary, because I think that's a big part of it. Um, so it talks about Christian Dawkins, which call back to Draymond Green, whom we discussed earlier. Christian Dawkins went to high school with Draymond Green in Saginaw, Michigan. His father was a legendary coach of that high school basketball program, won like several state titles. I don't remember exactly how many. Um, Christian Dawkins. He won back to back. He won back to back, okay. Christian Dawkins is an aspiring college basketball player who, upon seeing people like Draymond Green, realizes that he's not good enough at basketball to continue playing. And so instead, he gets into the business of linking high school players with AAU teams, I believe is where it started, right? And with coaches. He starts by scouting high school basketball. Right, right. And put it together. Scouting middle and high school basketball. Yeah, and he would get coaches – to pay 600 bucks a pop for his like scouting newsletter. And then he took over his AAU team and like right. recruited for his AAU team. There's an incredible picture of him in like a, I think it was a Reebok track suit. And like, yes. you know, Reebok is dropping the bag for this um, AAU basketball team, which is awesome. Um, so eventually he gets involved in like taking this bigger, he's working with an NBA agent, Andy something. Yeah. Andy something, no one knew his last name. <laughs> I want to say Andy Miller, but that's Sean Miller, Miller is what I'm thinking right? of. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Maybe it's not. But anyway, he gets involved with him, and there's this larger investing guy involved named Jeff D'Angelo. Jeff D'Angelo is – he's got a lot of money, but he also has a lot of opinions about what Christian Dawkins should be doing. At this point, he's selling players to colleges via – the money that they're getting from shoe companies, essentially. Um, And Christian Dawkins, normally his practice is going straight from paying. He's about paying players, not about paying coaches. Jeff D'Angelo. players and their families. Right. And they get some money back when they get drafted. Right. And Jeff D'Angelo is insisting that he instead pay coaches to set up like a pipeline type system. About halfway through the documentary, it's revealed that Jeff D'Angelo is an FBI agent. The reason that Jeff Spoiler D'Angelo alert. 
has been doing this is so that he can set uh, Christian Dawkins up with fraud charges. No, it's that they can set up. It's that they can set up, take down the public officials themselves. But then the, Christian Dawkins right. stops cooperating. Right. So Christian Dawkins immediately is like, "This is a bad idea." He makes a joke to one of his friends about like, "I'm just going to take all this money to the strip club because Jeff D'Angelo has no idea what he's doing," which is funny. The other big highlight I thought of the whole documentary, and AJ, you might not have made it this far, is when he gets arrested initially. And he's in the holding cell, and he's describing it, and he's like, I found out from my cellmate that there was a guy in a, from El Chapo in the same holding facility where I was. And then Christian Dawkins says something to the effect of, and I think it's pretty much exactly this, no disrespect to El Chapo, but when I heard that, I was like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> An amazing line. And Chris, that's probably the best part of the documentary, is how funny Christian Dawkins is throughout it. I would agree with that, but I think that I like this documentary significantly more than you did. Okay. I thought that it was make I the case. Was, I mean, I thought it was excellent. I thought that it was really interesting to see his perspective, and also the NCAA is fucked, and the FBI is fucked. So, and I think the the last part, the other highlight I want to bring up is at the end they ask Christian Dawkins, "Did you do anything wrong?" And he thinks about it. And he's like. Yes and no. <laughs> yeah. So I think the fuck the NCAA thing, I, I'm not going to say that I don't agree with it, but it's just sort of a boring takeaway. Like if that was all I was getting, I would be let down. And that, I wouldn't say that that's all it was. I think the fact that the FBI was so incompetent, I didn't fully realize because my assumption had always been that once the FBI got involved in this whole college basketball situation, if they wanted to dive in, they could – they would be have access to evidence that the NCAA just couldn't get, and that would ensure that they would bring down all these guys. Ultimately, the two people who really get brought down by this are Will Wade at LSU and Sean Miller at Arizona, both of whom notably are still the coaches at those schools. And all of the information that got leaked about them in this documentary was pretty much public knowledge, I think, with the exception of like hearing the actual tapes we hadn't heard before, I don't think. But the transcripts had been out there since, like, 2016. No, that's too late. 2017 or 18. Yeah. As it was happening, pretty much. I just think that, like, I've, I haven't finished it yet. But so far, I think what it's trying to get me to think is that, first of all, it's bullshit to not play players. And then second of all, like, why, why was this, like, such a big deal for the FBI to, like, catch Christian Dawkins Doing his thing. Yeah, that's because Christian thing. Dawkins is the ultimate loser here. Like, the, the coaches get off scot-free, and Christian Dawkins gets, like, 9 or 12 months in jail. He got he's sentenced to... Christian Dawkins, like, sure, he's kind of taking advantage of, like, young kids and giving them money and expecting to, like, get favors back and all that shit. But at the same time, like, who who cares? Like, he's he's just wants to be an agent, and he's acting like... Like, agents is typically, like, notably a pretty schemey kind of job. And he's just scheming. I don't know if it – which is, I guess, is the name of the documentary. I don't really, <laughs> a scheming like, would have been a better name for the documentary and, like, more of Christian Dawkins. But I'd also say I think that your FBI point is crucial here because this Jeff D'Angelo guy is shelling out probably upwards of a million dollars, I would say, between the yacht – and all the hundreds of thousands of dollars he's offering to pay these coaches. I just want to say that's that the all yacht FBI was money. a really good – the yacht was a really good move because of the implications. 
They okay. I'm gonna leave yeah. that aside. I'm gonna. I also think that like the way the FBI did it was to let this other guy I don't remember his name like get off. And I was like, why Munish? are you shorting? What? Munish? No, not Munish. The guy who knew Lamar Woodley. Right. Oh, Marty Blazer. Yeah. Right. Basically, the way this investigation starts is Marty Blazer's like, hey, like I can sell out some coaches for you. But the way he does that isn't like he has a list of names. It's like he sets up Christian Dawkins to then get set up to then set up coaches. And I was like, how did Marty Blazer end up with the best part of this deal? And why is the FBI so gung-ho on getting coaches that they would trust Marty Blazer for months to set up this thing to which nothing would happen? Like, it's just a ridiculous thing that happened in our justice system. Yeah, I mean, the obvious takeaway is that Christian Dawkins gets the most jail time essentially because he's the most vulnerable. And he makes this point that, unlike all these other people, he can't afford some sort of high-priced lawyer that's getting paid for by, you know, the university that protects him or whatever larger firm he's a part of because he's basically just this underground scheming dude, as AJ said. And so he's the only one that the FBI can actually take down, which is astonishing. Yeah, especially when, you know, they say at that press conference when they, uh, like, they show their hands, like, we got the playbook, like, we're coming after you guys. And then they don't get a single coach except for Patino, who, newsflash, had way worse problems at Louisville than paying a couple, paying Christian Dawkins. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think, like, the, the moral of the story as much as, like, it probably was the overt and, like, not really the reason the doc was made it's just like the ncaa with combined with the united states government picks the weirdest fights to like get involved with in terms of college sports and all it does is make us respect the 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 ncaa less and think that these players deserve more like every single time and now this is like the um fan coming out in me but like the ncaa screwed over um like has crushed you and they screwed up that investigation too so they like couldn't even do most of what they wanted to with the whole miami thing we've like this probe made us lose basketball scholarships to the point where like we aren't very good right now and then next year now that the suspension is lifted we get our guys again like who supplies miami's uniforms adidas now hmm and Hmm. who supplies louisville's uniforms i whatever i don't care that to the but the greater point is like the UM and me just gets really pissed off yeah. when we ended up because we had the whole Nevin Shapiro scandal to which they found like nothing and were very irresponsible in the like whole investigation and it set back our football program a very long time. Here's something I want to ask: How much do you guys think Zion was getting paid when he was at Duke? Question one. And question two, did the NCAA know about it and let it go because of the eyeballs it was bringing to the sport? So I think you know everything. That honestly is one of my biggest disappointments with the movie is that what I was really hoping was that it was going to explain like what is the bidding process like for these guys? How much money do star players actually make? Because I think that's one of the biggest things people exaggerate when talking about like pay college athletes or the amount of money in college basketball. It's not as though these guys are making 
salaries that are at all comparable to an NBA player in reality. No, they get they're probably making the equivalent of like, you know, what you get paid for like a Google internship or like a banking internship. I bet it's north. I mean, I guess I don't know how much money that is, but I would guess it's like ten k, twenty k. No, I think it's north of that for someone like Zion, but not on the scale of like an NBA player. It's like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's what I would think. It's more that's in the range of money was. But right? that's what I wanted to see was like, what is that process like? And the other thing I want to know is how pervade like how many of these guys are actually getting paid? Because the other well, part of that is that you saw that quote at the beginning. Out of the 10 teams, nine are paying players, the other one's in last place. But that's not – I'm saying how many players on that team are getting paid because high school athletes, I can't imagine, are a particularly fruitful investment. So just like – is it just cast a wide net or are they really – what, what like Christian Dawkins was doing and the recent thing with James Wiseman, and a lot of it's not necessarily lump sums as much as it is have you taken care of my family – from the time I was a young yeah. recruit and everyone wanted me and was knocking at my door who actually helped me pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's like the lump sum cash as much as like, I mean, these guys really need people they can trust because they've never dealt with money in their lives. And it's, and it's like a crazy thing to go into a world, say you're, you live at home and you go play college basketball. Like that's a new world and you need to have a program and a coach theoretically that you know has your back. Well, that was what made Christian Dawkins – that was his biggest asset was his ability to relate to the people, the actual stu- athletes involved in a way that people at these agencies clearly cannot. For the yeah. record, just so that our listeners know, Wiseman was deemed ineligible because Hardaway paid $11,500 to help Wiseman's family move. Yeah, and it, and he phrased it as a loan. He's like, I gave him a little loan to move. But right. that was – I mean, we also don't know that that was the extent of what he got paid. Sure. But I think the the greater point is like, like these kids are going to college, not because they necessarily want to, but it's because it's how they become professionals. And it's just another layer for them to get taken advantage of. And it's, and Christian Dawkins was someone in the business who they could trust. And sure. He might've taken advantage of that trust for his financial gain, but like, who doesn't? Who wouldn't? And like, why doesn't it have to be someone from Saginaw, Michigan, instead of an intern at some agency? I'm I'm fully with you on that side of it. Obviously, like anyone who's saying, and I think that was one of the things that the documentary made clear was that what they were accusing Christian Dawkins of was defrauding the universities by making these kids ineligible as though the university had no idea that people were getting paid, which is just laughable, a laughable idea. And I think one of my favorite parts of the documentary was when I can't remember who it was. I don't think it was Christian Dawkins. I think it was one of the people they interviewed who was like friends with him, who was like, they make, they're paying, these shoe companies are paying universities like $150 million for these deals. That means the university works for the shoe company, particularly mm-hmm. when it comes to these universities where basketball is the only profitable sport. Yeah. And that means that the university is about to go out and drop some bags to bring in the, the Zions of the world. Yeah, I just think, I mean, everyone knows the angle. And I, like, I don't mind it. Like the truth <laughs> is, don't like, want to go to college necessarily well i think the other the ones who are going to get drafted in the first round Mm -hmm. 
And Christian Dawkins says at the end, fuck the NCAA, which, I mean, everyone supports that angle, I think. But it's worth noting that this is the NBA's rule that says they have to go to college. And I think, like, big NBA has done such a good job of persuading people that this is a fully NCAA thing when it's the, like, the NBA could bypass this whole deal if it wanted to. And the NFL requires three years after high school. It's the same, right. balance. Right, I know, but it, 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 I mean, like, Dan Levitard calls it, like, a, some, one of those, like, like a Ponzi scheme or something, where it's That's just, weird. like, you're taking advantage of these young kids, and they, like, feed off each other. Because the draft becomes more exciting when you see the guys in the Final Four or in March Madness. Yeah. And it's just frustrating because the only people that benefit are like the universities and the sneaker companies. Right. And that's the thing with paying college athletes in general is that other than people just responding in all caps, pay the players on Twitter, no one involved in power in the situation has any incentive to actually pay these players. Like the schools aren't going to do it. The coaches aren't going to advocate for it. The the professional leagues aren't really invested in it at all. And so... <clears throat> well, what's going to happen is that the NBA is going to make a G League or people are going to follow LaMelo Ball and go to Australia or somewhere abroad where they can make money and not play college basketball. So people are just going to... Well, the league now has that transition year, doesn't it? I think it does. I just think that, like, in terms of, oh, this is, I was about to go totally off topic, so I'll let you guys finish what you're going to say. I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to reemphasize that I think it's odd that everyone says, fuck the NCAA, when no one would ever say, fuck the NBA, which I'm just saying because it's basketball that we were watching about, or fuck the NFL for having these rules, when they could do away with them if they wanted. Yeah, I think that, I think that, isn't it like in two years? The high school opens up again. I think you're right about that. 2021, I think, is the big draft. Is the yeah, the like double draft. So, oh, by the, I just wanted to say that like maybe when we think about who gets paid in terms of college athletes, the little insight this gave us was like an agent won't necessarily make that investment unless he thinks he might get drafted in the first round. Yeah. So you have to think about kids in college that have that first round, or kids in high school that have like first round potential, which is maybe like 60 to a hundred kids. And then the rest are probably not getting paid. Right. That would be my guess. Yeah. If you, yeah. And the documentary doesn't really talk about football in any depth at all, other than to say like, and we haven't even talked about football, but I think there it becomes like a number situation where I would just imagine that the investments are, are fewer and farther between because it's so many unless, people involved, and it's already such a, a meat grinder of an apparatus. Unless you're Alabama and you lured Nick Saban back from the NFL with a big old paycheck. Well, Nick Saban's also got that car dealership, right? He's just, like, giving out, giving out a nice ride. I mean, I'm not, not saying that. In basketball, because of how big it is, that a lot of the reason a kid might go play college football isn't necessarily to go play in the NFL. Whereas, yeah, I mean, maybe you just want to play for Coach O. That's a really good point. <laughs> I just think guys, I'm going probably... to sidetrack again. Did you guys see the Coach O public health uh, announcement? Didn't we talk about this on possibly both of our last two shows? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> we did. But... We definitely did. 
All right. AJ, you had another sidetrack? No, that was my sidetrack. I right. just tried to throw out a number. Does anyone else have another sidetrack? All right. Um, I think that's the show. We were going to talk about sports leagues coming back, but honestly, that's kind of depressing, and you've probably already heard that conversation a lot of times. I know going to change in a week. Wait, wait. I thought we were going to talk Simmons and Beat. I didn't prepare for that at all. <laughs> we'll, we'll push that off for next show. You've got that okay. to look forward to. Show talking Simmons and Embiid, I swear. I promise. <laughs> we might talk Simmons and Embiid. There'll be other fun segments. Maybe we'll review something else or rewatch something. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back probably Happy next Easter. Sunday. Happy Easter. Happy Pesach. He's Happy risen. Pesach.